The automobile is one of the most important inventions that revolutionized the modern world in America. The rich history of car culture runs deep as technology continues to shape the future of the industry. Jason Stein is here to share the stories of people passionate about cars, from industry leaders and innovators to car-obsessed celebrities. Buckle up as Jason takes you inside the boardroom, onto the track, and around the bend on Cars and Culture on Sirius XM Business Radio. Welcome to Cars and Culture in episode 120. I'm your host, Jason Stein. The world can be a lonely place when you're an upstart race car driver with expectations that sometimes defy reality. Winner's Circle? You should be there every week. Podiums? With all that experience, why don't you have more? And when the spotlight shines brightly, sometimes the critics are just as vocal when all of that doesn't happen. And social media critics can be cruel especially if you're competing for a spot in the top stock car series in America, and especially if you're a young female driver named Haley Deegan, who's been compared to every other female driver who's come around, and especially if you don't win everything. The pressure is real. So how special for Haley Deegan to have this happen after a recent dirt track race where she nearly bumped one of the top drivers in NASCAR history? How special to have Tony Stewart call you out. That's the one thing people don't realize is Haley Deegan is one hell of a dirt driver. So uh, she gets the second there. She's going to put pressure on. So uh, just had to try to get some clean laps on restarts and get in a rhythm again and get going. Yes, that's Tony Stewart talking about Haley and providing a perfect shot of confidence to a young driver who's had to shut out the world lately because the critics are real and expectations are sometimes unrealistic. The bottom line is that Haley, who grew up in the shadow of a father who's one of the winningest X Games motocross competitors of all time, has had a lot to live up to as one of the top up-and-coming drivers on any circuit. And being a female driver doesn't necessarily make things easier. But here she is, rolling from track to track on weekends, living in motorhomes, driving simulators whenever she can, and working to get to the brass ring of stock car racing and trying to make the NASCAR circuit. Every weekend this summer, she's bumped fenders with the best, trying to make her mark in the truck circuit and popping into Tony Stewart's SRX series, going head-to-head with his all-star list of drivers. She's just trying to build as much experience as possible. She didn't grow up around soccer fields and swimming pools. She grew up on racetracks, and now she's battling back the challenges of sponsors, track time, practice, and hopefully victories. Haley Deegan joins us today to talk about the pressures of being a young professional in a man's sport and what it means to take on all challenges. It's her story, it's her ambitions on Cars and Culture. Hi, I'm Haley Deegan, and this is Cars and Culture with Jason Stein. What a pleasure to have you on the program, not only because of what you're doing now, but for what you just did recently. And I wanna start by saying that you're one of the few people who can go toe to toe with Tony Stewart, which is exactly what you did recently. It was written that uh, three the three-time NASCAR Cup champion had to hold you off after a pair of late restarts to earn his first SRX Series win of the 23 season, but you almost took it too, Haley. Welcome to the program. <laughs> Thank you. I appreciate it. Yeah, we had a lot of fun at the last SRX race. I'll tell you, Tony probably, I, I know you've probably seen this and heard it, but I was massively impressed. Tony said, she's one hell of a dirt track driver. <laughs> Did you see yeah. that? Yeah, I did. <laughs> Tony's a really great guy. I've talked to him quite a bit throughout my year as a part of the SRX series. I'm on my third season now. Um, and Tony's been a part of it from day one. So I've always had a bunch of conversation with him. And he's a super nice guy. And he's one of those guys that 
when you build that relationship with him, you can pretty much ask him any question you have about racing and like any advice. And he's always been super good to me. Um, and he's, I know he has a lot to do with SRX series, helping run it and stuff. So I'm just super thankful that he lets me be a part of that series. What can you learn from a guy like Tony Stewart? Uh, what can't you learn? <laughs> uh, those guys, there's a lot of drivers in the SRX series um, that as of this year that are cup drivers, like a lot more advanced drivers that have gone added to the um, series. And so I think with Tony and even a few of the other drivers that there's so much I can learn from them. Like I learned so much. I feel like every single SRX race that I race, it's there's so many different things you can learn just following them behind them. And things that they do that you're like, man, he's a lot better than that than some of the other people that I race against or something like that. So I think being able to just have conversation with them, ask them for advice, like they've made it in the racing world. A lot of those guys have made it. They're done. Like they've, they've done their fair share of time. They've accomplished everything there is to accomplish and being able to kind of pick their brains on that stuff is very helpful. Well, and I can imagine too, when you look at that series and the, the quality of the individuals that you're racing against. I mean, this is the all-stars. Yeah. Good guys. They're definitely no slouches to say the least. No (laughs) slouches. Absolutely. You've got champions in there. Very accomplished. And they've, they've made it like they've, they've done everything there is to do. Like they just, they're where I want to eventually be. (laughs) Yeah. What does that say about you being able to drive in that series? I mean, I hope I hope that it says some good stuff. Hopefully it helps out with my career and bring more sponsors and some more attention to myself. But overall, like, I think it's more of a confidence booster for myself because I'm able to go and say, okay, like you are doing something right. Like you are because you're able to run with these guys. You're able to battle with these guys and to know that I'm on the right path and I'm doing the right things. And like, obviously I'm still trying to get better and develop and always looking to get better. But that's, that's something that's huge for me is how can I keep improving? But speaking of confidence, you said after that latest race, the SRX race, you said you had lost your confidence a little bit. So little it really bit. Paid, yeah. What give us a little summation of this year. Why, why did you lose your confidence Haley? So I think it's been a product of the past couple of years. I think that I've struggled a little bit. It's been really hard in the truck series. Because on my first year, I didn't get any practice. I didn't get any qualifying. A lot of these guys, like, they were getting hours and hours back in the day of practice. Like, they they were able to go and make pretty much any change they wanted on their truck or whatever car it is because you had so much time throughout practice. They were able to mock up, put new tires on, tape off the grill, do practice qualifying runs. And I feel like I was just – I kind of got through, thrown into it. Um, with no practice. And then the next year we got 15 to 25 minutes of practice. And I had no clue what the limits of the truck are in qualifying um, my second year. And it, it makes it tough because you don't know how hard to go. You don't have those past notes to rely on. And then third year, like there's even, I still struggle a little bit in my third year because I'm going off of notes. That I'm like, okay, I think I could have gone a little bit harder here. I think I overdrove this a little bit. Going off those notes, but like, I really don't know. Like, those are just my educated guesses. And so I'm just kind of going off as much as I can and watching as much footage, playing a lot on the simulator, going to the Ford simulator, testing setups there because we don't have enough time to change stuff at the track. You can make a few little changes, but what you have is really what you have. Like, you're you're making small changes, nothing massive at the track. So why do you 
feel that you've got some of your confidence back? Was it just the fact that you were able to put things together just here recently at, uh, at Eldora and, and, and feel better? I don't know if it's just timing. I think that it's or a coincidence, but I started working with my old um, driving slash mental coach again and who helped me Who's out. That? And his name's Troy Adams. He owns a go-kart track in California. He helped me when I was racing off-road trucks and winning at that level, helped me get there and then helped me get to a winning level in the K&N series, the NASCAR K&N series, where I was able to win three races. And so once I moved away from California, moved to the East Coast, that's where I had to be for racing. Um, he lives on the West Coast still. It kind of, we kind of just not parted ways, but just like there, he wasn't able to come to every race as much because his kid races also. So I know he's obviously busy with him, but we started all working together um, as of literally a couple of weeks ago. And he actually came to that SRX race and everything. And I'm like, man, I don't know if you're just, if it's just timing or what, but like, this is a good time for all this to happen. <laughs> what has he told you recently? I think it's not necessarily what he's telling me. I think it's more so what he's reminding me of that he had already told me. I think which, it's, which is it's back in the day when we were working together and racing a, a bunch and winning a bunch. It I was, I wasn't cocky. I was, I didn't lack confidence though. I was very confident in myself that I was, I'm here to win and I'm the person to beat. And I was, I, my confidence was just through the roof. And I feel like that was a product of him and the information he was kind of feeding me of just telling me that like, just those things that like, Hey, you're, you are doing enough. You are like, you do have the ability. Don't question that and just go out there and do your thing. And kind of it's a reassurance type deal to where like when you don't have that reassurance around you, sometimes when things aren't going good, you can kind of have the tendency to spiral and like kind of get sucked down the hole of bad finishes and start pointing fingers at yourself and thinking, man, like, do I, do I have enough ability to keep improving and all those things. And I think it's inevitable. I think it happens in every single sport. I think when you aren't on top of your game, like you were in the past, I think that anyone in any sport would start questioning themselves. Yeah, for sure. Do you, do you end up having to shut out the world when you're in that bit of spiral and maybe not read very much about you or what people so are saying about I you. I used to, and I, I'll be honest about this. I used to, after like bad races, my first year in trucks, because I did move up to such a high, uh, much higher level. And it was definitely hard. I wasn't getting the results that I was getting in the past initially. And I, I would go through after bad races and read like the Twitter comments or the Instagram mm. comments. And I was always like, that was the first thing I had to do. And I got out of the motion of doing that pretty quickly. I told myself like, no, why are you going? If that was any other day on the street and someone said that to me, I would have laughed at them. I would have said like, who are you to tell me how I should feel about myself? And I think that's well, something- it's a no win, right? Yeah. It's a no and, win. I, and I think that social media kind of makes everyone equal, makes you kind of value their opinions equally, even though people's opinions aren't valued equal. If Tony Stewart is going to tell me whatever. If he tells me I'm badass, but then some random person that I don't know tells me I'm not that good, I'm probably going to listen to Tony Stewart. <laughs> like, yeah, right. It's and that's like uh, I think that's I mean when you have someone with so much experience that knows that knows the racing world, and you just shouldn't take people's opinions or even value them that really have no effect into your life. And have no clue what you're truly trying to accomplish or that you're going through. 
but you've had so much attention toward you at such an early age. Nobody really prepares you for how to do this or how to handle it. You're just out there driving, right? I yeah, mean, you're just, yeah. You're trying to win races. And nobody uh, yeah, says, and think, stay off that social media. Oh, yeah. <laughs> and social media is what I do. Like, that's that's my sure. second job uh, away from racing, which nothing's away from racing. It's <laughs> um, <laughs> I do social media, though, because it helps attract sponsors. It helps bring in sponsors so that I'm able to go to the racetrack. Because it is hard to find sponsor money. It's not easy. And being just being a girl is not enough, not nearly enough. And you have to you have to be able to bring attention and eyes towards you. Like you got to look at it as, OK, what what sells product? It's people with views. It's being able to go someone who has a bunch of views. There's a reason why sponsors go like someone's going to come and sponsor your radio show. They're they're not going to pay the same amount as they're going to do some local channel that no one maybe gets 10 to 15 viewers like that. There's a different price in between that. And right. so you're obviously going to go with the person with more views, but it's going to cost more money. So because of that, I'm able to use that to go racing. I'm able to attract sponsors to go racing with. Well, it's brand building, right? Mm-hmm. It's brand building. Yes. And brand building has a double-edged sword to it. Yes. As... <laughs> As your brand soars, the critics get a little louder. And uh-huh, always. <laughs> yeah. Have you had to sort of wall it all off and just tighten the circle of folks who you who you really trust and want to listen to now? I think that I've I have a small circle, a very mm-hmm. small circle, and I always have. And I think it's more so just and I've stopped for sure, like a long time, a while ago. I just don't look at any of it. Like when I post a YouTube video, I don't look at the comments besides rarely, rarely, rarely. And like sometimes if it's a good video, like I like to see if people are, if it gets a lot of comments, like see if people are uh, like liked the video or seeing how I did during the race or thought it was cool. But like if something's, if people are talking bad about something, I don't even really look at it. Like I don't even acknowledge it anymore. I post my Instagram posts post whatever and i just let it go like if the views if the likes are good if the views are good awesome like i don't really go through what people have to say anymore yeah you've been racing dirt bikes since you were seven off-road trucks off-road yes right mm-hmm. but well, you did some dirt bikes too didn't you no a whole lot i know how to ride a dirt bike i that's what my dad did and right. so like, we had a bunch at the house i didn't race them but i got my start in racing in off-road trucks Right. Yeah. And you sat and watched your dad obviously soar through his own career and, and, and a lot of um, attention that was brought on him. He's considered one of the most successful riders in X game history mm-hmm. and freestyle motocross was, was just his, his thing. Did you think at an early age, I've got to do exactly what dad's doing. I want to do what dad's doing. I'm, I'm drawn to speed. I'm drawn to, um, all of the activity and action that's a part of that? I think that, so I was a super girly girl growing up. Like I was constantly with my mom going shopping and I did Girl Scouts. I did volleyball. Like I did super girly things. And it's funny because I didn't know that like you could be young in racing. Cause I was, I'm seven years old at the time. Like, I don't know. I'm barely, I barely know my left from right at that age. And so <laughs> that's like, it's something that like, once I started, once my dad got out of the dirt bike scene and motocross scene and went into the off-road truck scene, I saw some young kids racing. And that's when I really took a heavy interest in it is when I saw other kids can do this. I want to do this. <laughs> mm. And 
you went from the girly girl, the girl scouts to all of a sudden on the track the entire time. A lot less girly girl. (laughs) Right. And what was the biggest adjustment when it came to that? I think, I mean, like there was no adjustment really because I was around the whole moto scene with my dad and my family and everyone that was around my family was so heavily involved in motorized vehicles that like it became very normal that it wasn't anything crazy. Like, obviously I liked doing the girly stuff back in the day and all that, but like it was all around me still. So I was very accustomed to it. And so getting into racing, it was more like, yeah, I get to do what I wanted to do. Type deal. Like I was so young that like, and I got used to it at such a young age that it didn't seem like it was a transition at all. Your dad bought you your first car when you were eight years old, a junior yes. one car, yeah. right? Your first junior one car. Uh-huh. You started racing then. And then when you got to 12, you said you really started to take it more seriously. Uh-huh. <laughs> more, more importantly, you started winning. Yeah. <laughs> I think you start taking everything more seriously when you start winning. <laughs> but I was, I remember because I was still going, um, I went to a private school and was still going to school full time. And while I was racing when I was that age, and I remember I went to my parents, and I was like, I need to be homeschooled. Like if I'm going to race and miss as much school, like I need to be homeschooled. And I kind of laid out the full creek. Like I'm like 12 to 14 years old at this time mm-hmm. and convinced my parents enough to let me homeschool and ended up doing that. And I graduated at 16 or I graduated early so that I could be able to focus on my racing career more. And so I, I really just wanted to like be able to be so invested in the racing world. And I loved it so much. I loved when we got to go to the track and go test and go practice. I just, I loved it all so much that like, I just almost couldn't get enough of it. And dinner time consisted of sitting around the table talking about the race that you did and the race that was coming up next and how you were going to win your family dinner time was all about one thing, correct? Yeah, we had it. We had a bar counter, like a bar stool counter, and whoever won like the most recent race, this trophy was on the bar counter. Oh. <laughs> and like it was, it was always about racing. Like it was twenty four seven. My little brother at the time was getting into racing. He was winning and stuff. So they were starting to take his career seriously. My dad's still racing. I'm racing, and so it was like a twenty four seven thing. Like. And there wasn't many times where we were sitting down at the dinner table because for the most part, we were on the road. (laughs) Yeah. Yeah. Unbelievable. Your mom started calling you dirt princess. Yeah. That, that one, I've been trying to shake that one for years. (laughs) (laughs) It's funny because like I was super growing up, super, everything had to be pink. My room was decorated in princess crowns. Like my first off-road truck was pink because I was still, still very girly at the time. Still a girly girl. And, and my mom definitely, I would say, helped that out. (laughs) But like it was, she started calling me that and everyone started calling me that. And it just, for some reason it's stuck. And I just, I I finally been starting to shake it last couple of years, but it's, it still comes up every so often. Whenever I do really good at a dirt race, it comes up. After the break, I'll continue my conversation with race car driver Haley Deegan. And to see my interview with Haley, go to the Cars and Culture YouTube channel. Like and subscribe to see 120 interviews. 
and nearly a thousand videos. The automobile is one of the most important inventions that revolutionized the modern world in America. The rich history of car culture runs deep as technology continues to shape the future of the industry. Jason Stein is here to share the stories of people passionate about cars, from industry leaders and innovators to car-obsessed celebrities. Buckle up as Jason takes you inside the boardroom, onto the track, and around the bend on Cars and Culture on Sirius XM Business Radio. Welcome back. I'm Jason Stein. Now the continuation of my conversation with race car driver Haley Deegan. And to see my interview with Haley, go to the Cars and Culture YouTube channel. Like and subscribe to see 120 interviews and nearly a thousand videos. You told Michael Waltrip that um, you weren't scared of really racing competitively or, or, or even getting kind of tossed around a little bit on the track because you saw all your dad's accidents. Yeah. You saw, you saw your dad in the hospital. You saw broken bones. You saw all the things that happened with a guy who's a freestyle motor motocross motocross champion, right? Yeah. yeah. The motor no world is so dangerous. So crazy dangerous, especially compared to car racing. Like I feel so safe. Like even after wrecks and stuff, like I'm like, Oh, you have a little bit of a headache. Like that's nothing. Like guys on the dirt bike side of things, like when they crash, it's femur, arm, wrist, ankle, concussion, like gnarly stuff like it's it's wild and i think that's after seeing my dad like my dad he kind of hobbles when he walks now and mm. he, like, he can't be in super cold weather because he saw has quite a bit of metal in his body and whenever he's in super cold weather it hurts really bad and mm. so he hates being in cold weather see well, i was in florida <laughs> <laughs> but like there's and seeing him go through all that being laid out on the couch with staples going down his stomach and like all those events that happened growing up when I was little, like two broken wrists and broken femur, like those are very, very big things to happen. And I think that's my biggest fear with my little brother is because I love my little brother. Like he's, he means the world to me. And I love seeing him succeed because he's just went pro last year or this year. How old is he? He's 17 okay. and has a multi-year contract with Star Yamaha, um, lives in Florida now, moved his whole life to Florida with my parents. And he, like, he's lit the world on fire his whole career and he cares about it and he loves it so much. Like it's truly his every waking breath. And it's just, and I know that like, it's inevitable for it to happen in the moto world. And he's been very fortunate, knock on wood. He's been very fortunate until this point to only have a few minor wrecks. Like he's had a broken, broke his arm, um, broke, he fractured his back, but like, those are, those are minor, like (laughs) a few collarbones, but like, that's, you had a pretty good amateur career if that's all that happened to you. And so he's, he's made it out pretty lucky, but still now when you get to the pro ranks, like I, I hate, I almost hate watching his races. Obviously, I love it because I'll sit there with lap times on my phone and like calculating his lap times. He's running someone down while watching him on TV. And I try to go to as many races as I can. Um, But it's, uh, but I almost hate watching it because I'm like, I'm yelling at the TV, like, oh, oh my God. Oh, oh, do you go down? Do you go down? And so I'm always so worried about him, but it's only because I care about him a lot. Parents aside, who were your role models growing up, Haley? You know, what's funny is that I didn't have many role models. It was before social media, like when I was really little getting into racing. 
I was so almost stuck in my own world that like, I only knew the people that I was around and my parents didn't really let me, they ran my social media accounts when I was younger. Um, and they didn't really let me on social media. I didn't watch a whole lot of TV growing up when you live on 20 acres and there's no reason to watch TV (laughs) to say the least (laughs) and have a bunch of dirt bikes and like UTVs. And we were always super fortunate to have that stuff. A lot of times with sponsors, uh, always having cool toys at the house. And so, it was, I was never really just paid much attention to what was happening outside of kind of my world, I guess. So I didn't really have any. Who are your role models now? I would say now there's not many people involved in my life that I would say, like, I like having role models of people who are really involved in my life, like who are really care, but like, I'm trying to do something that hasn't been done. And so it's very, it's very hard to have a role model when, and like, yes, Danny Patrick's made it in racing. She had a, a bear. She was the only girl to really make it big time like that. And she's, I think she was a great driver and she accomplished a lot, especially for girls in racing. And, but she's out of the racing world now. So it's not like I have someone to really like, she'd be the only person that I would think would be similar to be able to talk to or look up to and she's been just out of the racing world now so like I like having people around that are involved in my life so I try to take bits and pieces from accomplished people around me but for the most part like I'm kind of trying to write my own story yeah the similarities are inevitable have you talked Mm -hmm. to Danica we've had a few she was on her way out like she was just um she stopped racing kind of when I was getting in so like we crossed paths like twice at the most mm-hmm. and more so just like a, you know, the person high type deal, small conversation, but not a whole lot. Interesting. Yeah. And I mean, there, there's an enormous push right now when it comes to more females driving. We've had Samantha Tan on this program who's driving in a lot of um, series really around the world and including some endurance stuff. Do you feel as though you've had to endure challenges as a woman that a male maybe has not to get to where you are today? I mean, it is, there's, there's challenges. Everybody I think has certain challenges in their life. And I think that obviously some are different than others, but like, I, I think that there is some different challenges for girls, but I've also seen witness other girls attempt to make it in the sport of racing. And I feel like I've kind of learned from it. Like I kind of see like, okay, those are things like say there's something like not to do or to, hey, maybe, you know, I'm gonna I'm gonna start showing people this part of my life a little bit more because so they can really see like what goes on in a racer's life. But for the most part, like I I'm so focused on what I'm trying to accomplish. And I don't I don't like looking at that like, oh, it's it's hard for a girl in racing that it's and like, cause I don't like being a person that looks at the negatives and I like being the glass half full type person. <laughs> and I really try to be and negative energy always brings me down. So I try to keep negative people out of my life, <laughs> but it's, it's hard because I'd say there is, there is a lot of challenges when you are a girl in racing. It's, it's tough because I feel like you, you're automatically looked at as you can easily be taken advantage of on the track that maybe you're not going to be as aggressive or fight as hard as someone else. But I think once you kind of lay, lay the ground rules of not like literally, but almost 
give give off the impression that you aren't going to be a pushover. Mm-hmm. Well, you're certainly that. not a pushover on the track. Uh, just ask Tony Stewart. <laughs> Do you see yourself as a role model? I hope I hope to be a role model. I I think a role model is someone who has made it and has accomplished all their goals and has really like really made it and like to where they're at a good place in their career and. I hope to be a role model one day though. And I think I could be a, a, I guess like a miniature role model in the sense of showing other girls that they can be in racing that haven't known that they can be before. Yeah, that makes sense. Yeah. Let's talk a little bit about your pre-race prep and things that you do and and even your driving style. Describe Mm -hmm. your driving style for me. My driving style, I think it depends what car I'm in. I'd say like the SRX stuff, I'm super aggressive, but the truck stuff, I'm trying to be a little bit more aggressive, but also I'm also trying to figure out the limits fully of the trucks and they are hard to drive. They're a handful. They're super aero dependent. Soon as someone takes the air off of your truck, it's a handful during a lot of these races. And so they're tough to drive, but the SRX cars, I'm super aggressive in those. That's something that like, I don't know why. Maybe it's because like, it's not, I don't know. It's it's kind of oddball tracks that we're going to, going places for the first time, dirt tracks, different things like that. Like maybe that's why I am. But when it comes to like the race prep side of things, it's hard because you don't get practice in stock car racing. Like you don't get much practice. You go out in the truck, you get 15 to 25 minutes practice and you're riding to qualifying. And you can't go test a truck anywhere else. And that costs a lot of money if you were to do so, but you're not allowed to per the NASCAR rules. So a lot of times people will go and they'll go run this series called the ARCA series. It's also a stock car, right? The tier below the truck series. They'll go run that at some races, um, some road course races, wherever they're going to just get more experience and more practice laps. And so, but that costs money. And so it's hard when you don't have, I guess, enough sponsor money to go and do those things. So a lot of times what I'm trying to do is I go to the Ford simulator, I work out, I watch a lot of race footage back, I play on the simulator at my house, um, and kind of just reference back that notebook that I have from past races, wherever I'm going. And when you think about your own pre-race, you know, what you go through, what you undergo before going into a race. What's the pre-race routine, say three hours or an hour or 15 minutes before you line up on the grid? Do you have things that you specifically do? So that's where racing's a little bit different. You're not like in a, like a, like for ball sports, you're not in a locker room kind of getting sure. talked to by coaches or anything like that. Most of the time you're hanging out in your hauler, your race hauler with your crew guys, kind of just chilling out. You kind of go over your race plan a little bit. Um, of what your plan is throughout the race. But for the most part, there's not much that happens a couple hours before. Like, it's kind of weird. Like, you would think there would be more to happen and stuff, but you kind of get your suit on 45 minutes before you go green and you do driver intros 30 minutes before. You stand by your truck, you do the national anthem, and then you get in. But you don't have anything specifically that you really focus on that's that's gets you into the zone. I would say for them, I try to listen to music before. Because there's like always when we walk out, there's always a lot of fans and a lot of people wanting pictures or conversations and you are there to get a job done. And I always try to sign stuff for all my fans and all the people um, that support me always beforehand and stuff. But like 
at the end of the day, there is a time where you have to go and do your job and your job is to go out there and get good finishes on the track. So I always try to put headphones in, kind of get in my race, I guess like race zone or race mode a little bit and kind of envision or at least like mentally envision what I'm going to do throughout the race scenarios and different things of that sort. What does success Haley look like for you professionally and personally? Making it to the cup series, but I want to be, and I think that first I want to make it to Xfinity series um, and be competitive at that level. I think obviously I want to win races, but I think I would be happy if we can just get some good solid finishes as I move up the ranks. So what is it, if you look into the, crystal ball that you have what does your career look like 10 years from now we're, we're having this interview 10 years from now oh, yeah. and, and what are I, you telling me i hope i hope it's in the cup series that would be my goal that's my goal but i would hope that that would have happened by then and i'm kind of sitting sitting happy with life and racing cup and on the road every single weekend and just kind of in a point where like i've made it like content very content. Is that is that the ultimate dream? I mean, your your father, Brian, a 10 times X game champion on two wheels. Mm -hmm. You transitioned to four. So the ultimate dream for you is racing in the cup series yep. and being competitive. Not like a back marker in the cup series, but like a being competitive in the cup series. Being competitive, yeah. How do you get there? It's More hard. time on the track. <laughs> <laughs> I you mean it's hard. It takes a lot of, and like, I won't lie, it takes a lot of money, it, plain and simple. And whether that money comes from wherever, sponsor money, whatever it is, and in my case, it's sponsor money. And so it's how, how much sponsor money can you bring in to keep moving up type of deal. So I'd say that's where, and that's my next goal is trying to race an Xfinity series, but that, that takes sponsor money. So that's that's where my goal is. <laughs> yeah, and a lot of people talk about that. Is that is that harder or is it under is it underplayed when you're seven or eight years old and you have a dream to be a driver? Of, of course, I'm not asking you to understand those economics at that age, but is the quest to get to where you need to be based on sponsorship dollars perhaps a road that's not as well explained as it's not well explained at all. And I think that's something I think it's because it's evolved so fast. Um, back in the day, you you had one sponsor, they came in, paid for your season, they were five, ten year partner, like, and that was 10, 20 years ago. Nowadays it's not like that anymore. Racing has got more expensive and sponsorship money companies budgets to be able to pay for or be able to invest in a team or a driver have gotten less. So I'd say that's where it is difficult. And it's just, it's a tough, tough gamble because it's hard to just make it on. I think for any driver and any driver can test this. It's hard to just make it on raw talent with no money. You have to have some sort of wherever that money's coming from. It don't matter if it's coming from dad's business or in my case, it's not, but <laughs> or sponsorship money. And so I think that's something that a lot of people have to understand is that it's it's not about who deserves the ride. I can name 20 people right now that deserve to be in the truck series, Xfinity series that don't have rides. 
that because it does take money. It does take sponsorship money. You have to bring something to the table. And that's how, that's how, just how it is right now. And I think a lot of people try to make it like it's all glitz and glamour. Oh, that it, you can, you can make it on the, the running your own late model type deal and getting in, getting a ride. And a lot of the times that doesn't happen nowadays very much. It's very, very far and few if it does. The economics of the sport. Mm-hmm. Something that's that you've a, yeah. had to, you have a full one-on-one education in it now. <laughs> oh yeah, yeah, yeah. It's and like I'm not. I don't say it to be like the person that's like the only thing that's stopping me from being sure. this is money. And I don't say it like that at all. Like that's why I'm not trying to give off the impression of. I'm saying that literally anybody could go race trucks right now with the right amount of money. You could go if you wanted to. There's no requirements. If you have money and that's what you go, you pay for your architect, you get that certification and then you go into the truck series. And if you have the money to pay for it, you can do it. That's Mm. all it is. Yeah. So what advice do you have for people your age, maybe even girls who want to get into racing? I'd say for me, I've kind of found the loophole of using social media to attract sponsors. And building those relationships, getting them into the racing world with me. And I've been able to funnel that through my social media. So I think when it comes to girls in racing, obviously you got to be good. You got to work hard. You got to, you got to accomplish your goals on the track, but off the track to attract sponsors so you can keep moving up. I think focusing a lot on social media and building a platform, something to where it's, you have something to offer other than just your racing. You have your social media to offer sponsors to for them to go and pay you to do posts for them and you're able to funnel that to your racing. And so a lot of times I think that's something that that just has become a loophole almost. And I think it's almost a little bit easier for girls in racing to gain a following because girls in racing are rare and usually things that are rare gain big followings. Yeah, true. You were also part of the Toyota Driving Academy and then moved on to become a Ford driver. How much did the Academy help you? So I was a TRD driver for a while and then um, for about three years. And then I, my dad was actually with Ford for years and years when he raced rally cars. Mm-hmm. And so I already had known everyone over in the Ford family and all that. And right when my Toyota contract was up, that's when um, I got picked up by Ford. And so I was kind of like, a rekindled relationship because all those people have seen me racing from such a young age and were around my dad so much and constantly at our house in California filming for Ford and Ford commercials and different things like that, that all those people I'd already had relationships with. And so it was almost like rekindling relationships that were already there. Yeah. Yeah. I mean, definitely a, a leg up too to have those kind of relationships and, and partnerships. When you think about, racing in general and i know you talked about you know cup series but is there anything else that you think that you must participate in do you have any desire to go to indycar at some stage not really (laughs) racing i and i've never really thought about doing it but i think it's one of those forms of racing it's dangerous like indycar racing is pretty dangerous and i don't know i didn't grow up in that open wheel side of things to where i wouldn't want to just hop in it at least maybe I will in 10, 15 years, but I don't think I would just want to hop in an Indy car. So I have nothing, no craft of driving an open wheel car like that. Or experience. No interest. 
Yeah. I yeah. mean, I, it's hard to say. I would test one. <laughs> yeah, sure. I don't know about raise it. <laughs> well, maybe we can get you a test here through this program. Yeah. <laughs> if, if you weren't racing, what would you be doing, Haley? No clue. I have never thought about it. I've only ever known racing. Like that's all I really know. And ever since I was eight years old, I pretty much gave up everything to solely focus on racing. And I probably, I feel like I'm a pretty decent talker and I'm pretty decent at keeping conversations going that I think that I could do something in broadcasting a sports broadcasting, but I just love racing, like plain and simple. (laughs) Yeah, sure. The track can be a very engaging and lonely place. You're among friends and you're among competitors. How do you balance that? Don't have friends. <laughs> That's the easiest way. Like, honestly, I don't have many no friends. friends. <laughs> no, like I, I really don't. I, I focus solely to myself and focus on what I'm trying to accomplish. And a lot of other drivers are doing that too. There's a few drivers like that we're definitely cordial with and like, cool, like, Cool enough to where you walk by them and you have a conversation, but not anyone that like you hang out with away from the track, really. So if you have a really particularly good race, what do you do to celebrate and with whom? How do so, you celebrate that second place with the oh, So my boyfriend, he comes with me to all my races. He actually raced before too. Um, he's a few years older than me, but he raced the same stuff that I did growing up and all that. So we met racing against each other. But we're with each other 24-7. Like, we live together, and we go to every race together. And he um, runs my media company and all that. So he, most of the time, we're always just with each other. But honestly, after getting, I headed right, right to the next race after getting second. Like, I literally went back to the hotel, went to sleep at, like, 1 a.m. So that's by the time we got back to the hotel from the track. And I woke up the next morning and flew to the next or drove to the next race. Mm, yeah. So just like, on to the next. yeah. And then you get home and you just want to sleep. <laughs> you got to get caught up on laundry and you got to leave again. So if the world on the track, if the world goes to shit on the track and you're punted off in turn one of a 500 mile race, do you turn to him for counsel or is there anybody else you turn to, to seek counsel? I'm probably just more so pissed off at that point. <laughs> I mean, I'm probably not turning to anybody because say if I was the one who got taken out because I, I'm i turning probably to the person that took me out, <laughs> most likely. Right. But I mean, when situations where you're just blatantly getting wrecked, there's not much anyone can do. It's very, very out of your control, very out of anyone else's control around you. And I think that's something that a lot of drivers realize is when stuff is not their fault, you almost act like it doesn't exist. Yeah. Final few things, Haley, is there any racer you could talk to if there was one, who would that be? And what would you want to know? I mean, I would like to have a conversation with Danica, like a true, like sit down conversation and just talk about like her career and like her true opinion about it. And about like just racing in general, like not, not questioning anything about her or, anything that she's accomplished or whatnot. Cause I think she has accomplished a lot and a far more than any other girls accomplished in racing. And so I would love to just pick her brain about it. And I, I honestly, I, I have her number <laughs> and I, I want to reach, I probably will reach out to her and have that conversation. We've been crazy busy lately on the road racing two or three mm-hmm. times a week. Um, but I do want to have a conversation with her, but 
I, I just had to think the right time. <laughs> well, I'm, I, hopefully we can pave the way for that. Two, <laughs> two final things. You find yourself in the paddock. It's raining. Fortunately, you're in a motorhome. Who are the three people you want to be there with? Well, I'm already probably going to be in a bad mood because it's raining. And usually rain races are not my strong suit, at least on road courses. <laughs> so uh, probably going to be with my boyfriend um, and probably my crew chief. Probably, because then we can talk about our game plan about what we're going to do during the race. Yeah, sure. <laughs> Maybe your dad. Yeah, my dad. My dad. He'd be cool to have. I like when my little brothers come to my races, too. So, I don't know. Maybe my... I don't know. This, I, I got a big family. And so, <laughs> <laughs> uh, I like. I love when my parents come to the races, too. But they're, they are busy with my little brother, because he's racing full-time and professionally and it's it's hard it's a lot on the road it's every single week also so they definitely stay busy with him and they come to as many races of mine as they can in between his schedule because he's younger he's 17 you gotta take care of him still (laughs) what's the most surprising thing that people don't know about you i mean completely separate from racing I am a great cook. <laughs> oh, okay. I was a little chunky as a little kid, um, <laughs> a little overweight. So I am great at baking and cooking. <laughs> at least everyone that comes over tells me. So maybe they've just been talking good about me to make me happy. But <laughs> um, and I have a plant obsession, like house plants. House bad. plants. Bad. You like- can keep them alive. Yeah, I keep the ones inside alive. The ones on the outside don't do so good. It's a little hot here. <laughs> but man, I probably have a total of 30 to 40 houseplants. <laughs> it's, wow. it's it's an obsession. Yeah. <laughs> All right. So we know if it's raining, you're going to cook and the plants will be taken care of inside yeah. the motorhome. I'm just watching racing. That's about it. <laughs> what does success look like to end this year? Success What's the end of this year? I want to get some really good finishes. Obviously, a win in the truck series would be the major goal. Um, I want to have my next year plan by the end of this year, I will have my next year plans done and figured out of what I'm doing for sure for the next year to two years. Um, but I I would say for the truck series wise, I obviously would love to end the year with a win, but realistically speaking, to improve on where I've finished throughout this year maybe pop off a couple top threes, top fives. That would be successful for me. Yeah. Wonderful. We'll be watching with great interest. And, um, what was it? Miss dirt princess is going to (laughs) continue to take, to take on the big boys. I appreciate it at many levels. Thank you so much for being on cars and culture. I appreciate you telling your story, Haley. Uh, you are an inspiration to many. So, um, despite whatever social media comments are saying, that's, (laughs) that's how we feel here. Well, thank you. I appreciate it. Thank Great. you. Great. And call Danica. I know. I know. I need to. <laughs> <laughs> okay. Great. Haley, thank you so much. No problem. Thanks again to my guest today, race car driver Haley Deegan. And to see my interview with Haley, go to the Cars and Culture YouTube channel. Like and subscribe to see 120 interviews and nearly a thousand videos. And thanks for listening. You can follow Cars and Culture on LinkedIn and Facebook, as well as on Instagram at Cars and Culture SXM and on Twitter at Cars and Culture SXM. I'm Jason Stein. We'll see you down the road.